I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 258 of the Love Life Connection podcast. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week, and I've got a really great episode for you today. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So I want to just preface this a little bit. Uh, So I talk about this idea of self-abandonment, and I just want to make sure that we're all clear on the same page as to what that means, because I think it's actually fairly common, but it's not a phrase that I've used too much here on the show. So self-abandonment is basically, I mean, what it sounds like, right? It's abandoning the self, but the way that looks like, you know, can vary from person to person, from pattern to pattern. But generally, it means disregarding your emotions, needs in place of something or someone else. So if someone says, hey, can I have XYZ, but you don't want to give them XYZ for any reason, but you do anyways, that's self-abandonment. If you're feeling really sad, really down about something, and you try to convince yourself that you shouldn't feel sad, or you try to ignore your feelings, that's also self-abandonment. So I just want you to keep that phrase in mind as we go into today's episode. Again, super common. As I listed these two examples, perhaps you're like, oh, wow, I actually abandoned myself a lot too. So if that's you, you'll definitely love this episode. Before we get there, I just want to share some big news. So my yearly love incubator program is open for enrollment. So yes, it's yearly now. I only ran it once last year, and that was because I was pregnant. However, I kind of like that system so that I can really just 
put 100% of my attention focus into this one cohort of women a year. So if you're interested in working closely with me this year, along with a very small, close-knit group of women who get it, who are going through the same process as you, who will share like the same languaging around dating and relationships and what you want to call in, then you're going to love the Love Incubator. Also, if you've been considering working with me one-on-one, but you can't swing the financial investment or that makes you nervous, then the Love Incubator is a really, really great fit for you. It's definitely less expensive than just pure one-on-one with me. However, you do get lots of one-on-one attention within the group, including private coaching calls with me. So again, this is the only time I am running the Love Incubator this year. I'm limiting the group to 10 women. So if you're interested in learning more, including the pricing, the dates, the structure, how it works exactly, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Real quick though, it's a four month coaching program. You get one private coaching call with me every month. And then we have a small group check-in call every month where we kind of like just check in and see how it's going, see what you need support with, see where you're getting stuck so that, you know, I can help you. And you'll also learn from the other women on the call because they might have questions that you didn't even know to ask. And then you'll get even more insight into your own experience and your own growth. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Now this episode is dropping on April 1st. So if you're listening to this episode on or very close to that date and you want to do the love incubator, then get in touch with me ASAP because we're still in early enrollment. And when you join with early enrollment, you get the opportunity to have a bonus one-on-one coaching call with me, or you can join with an extended payment plan, making it even more affordable. And of course, spots are limited. So first come, first serve. In addition to limited spots this year that is new, I have two sliding scale spots. So these are not for you if you just want a discount, but they are for you if you are part of a historically marginalized group such as BIPOC, LGBTQ, if you are a single mom, if you have been significantly financially impacted by the pandemic, anything like that, then I would love for you to take advantage of one of these two sliding scale spots. Again, that is also first come, first serve. So to learn more, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Your next step once you get to that page would be to schedule an incubator exploratory call with me. And that's pretty much what it sounds like. We will explore if the incubator is the right next step for you. You'll get to know me and get a sense of my style is going to work for you. And then I'll also get to know you so I can, you know, just make sure that the goals that you have in mind are goals that I can help you achieve. So one last time, veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Only time this year I'm running it. 10 women, first come, first serve. Spots will fill quickly. I hope to talk to you about it soon if this is pulling on your heartstring. All right. So Without any further ado, we're just going to go ahead and get straight to my coaching conversation with Becca. All right. As you're listening to my coaching call with Becca, I want you to consider, did you lose a parent or another close relative early in life? Is it hard for you to not just trust yourself, but to trust like the universe, God, love, just larger things outside of you? Or are you waiting for something bad to always happen? Do you have unhealthy habits like drinking too much, eating too much, binging a lot of TV, using drugs, anything that just suppresses your emotions? 
So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Becca. Hi, Becca. Welcome to the show. How can I help today? Hi, Veronica. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm 38 and still, you know, trying to find my person. I feel like in relationships, it's hard for me to get past that initial um, dating and getting into a relationship because I fear they're going to to leave eventually. Mm-hmm. So it, it triggers a lot of things and things trigger a lot of things in me. And what does it trigger? I have just feelings of, well, abandonment, fear of loss, fear of rejection, not being good enough. Where do those fears come from? Definitely from my childhood. I had a pretty strict non-denominational kind of background. My parents were very strict and I wasn't allowed to do anything. So I had to be the perfect child. And then my dad died when I was 12. So I, um, that really just threw everything for a loop and changed our lives and made me question everything. And I was just really angry for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now in relationships, when I start to feel like the person that's most important to me, this person that I'm starting to fall for and I'm really into, and I'm seeing a future with us that I tend to feel that subconsciously it's going to be taken away from me or that I'm not good enough for it. And so I either self-sabotage or, or I pick the wrong people because I know that subconsciously they're not going to hurt me because I'll leave them because I know they're wrong for me. And what kind of healing work have you done around losing your dad at 12? Honestly, I haven't done much. I've coped with it over throughout my early twenties with drugs and, and just having fun and trying to mask my pain. And I am, I got married when I was 30 to the wrong guy, you know, trying to figure out all these past things with, through a relationship and trying to, to fix things and, and then got divorced, which was actually the best thing that's happened to me. And I've, I've done a lot of work since then, you know, just a lot of, a lot of inward look work, you know, reading a lot, listening to podcasts, trying to get as much information as I can to really figure out why I choose these things, my behaviors and and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what have you learned? I've learned, I've really recognized a lot of what had happened in my past and, and how I am now because of it. And so I think that's the first step is just recognizing and then being aware and not trying to put the blame on other people and just being aware that, you know, I really do have issues to work on and, and stop and try not to run from them and try to address them. And have you actually, you know, have you actually been addressing them, been working on them? Because it seems Uh, like you've been collecting a lot of knowledge, but I'm just curious to what extent have you actually been, you know, sitting in the muck? Yeah. I have realized that, yeah, I haven't done a whole lot of that. I feel like I try to get involved with new relationships and focus my energy on new relationships sometimes instead of trying to just be unhappy, be sad, work through those things and really realize those, you know, those things. But I do feel like with the relationships that I've had, the more substantial ones that I've as far as like reacting when things aren't going well and trying to, you know, subconsciously push people away, I've tried to not text people back as quickly, try not to react as quickly, try to really stop and reflect and not react. 
emotionally when I feel triggered and it's hard to do, but it feels better than reacting and then making mistakes and realizing, oh shit, I just messed this up. (laughs) Right, right, right. And so I want to give you, you know, credit for, not credit, what's the word? Yeah, maybe I want to acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. you know, that shift and, you know, bringing that pattern to consciousness and then doing something different because that does create a different experience as you're seeing, as you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. But I think that in order to really get to the fear of abandonment, you know, that's not going to necessarily cut it alone. Yeah. And would you say that the loss of your father at age 12, is that, do you think the root of your fear of abandonment? Yeah, that, and then mm, just picking the wrong people after that and trying to fix them. It's also led me to really just pick horrible men and horrible relationships. And so that has also give me a fear of, you know, intimacy, um, and trust. And I would say those experiences most likely are manifestations of the original core wound, which is losing your father. Yeah. And those more current experiences, you know, as an adult, they can create facts to support, or they can create the evidence to support, you know, a fact you might be telling yourself that it's Mm -hmm. not safe to love people leave me. But I would say that it still all goes back to, you know, it's a 12 year old Becca losing her father. Does that make sense? Definitely. And then even before that, growing up in uh, the church that we were in, I just, I felt so isolated from the rest of the world and so different from, from everybody because we were not brainwashed, but we were definitely felt as, you know, growing up, you make those core beliefs that you're the chosen one and that, you know, God will save everything. So just you know, trust in that and nothing else matters when in fact everything else matters. And that's that feeling of not, you know, being different from everybody. And so having to kind of prove myself later on in life that I am worthy. And then I, and I I think my parents also made me felt like I wasn't seen or heard a lot. And so I have some, some issues with that as well. Just not feeling like I'm, I always have to be perfect. And and then when I'm not, I beat myself up over it. And yeah, tell me more about that. Tell me what happened when you weren't perfect when you were growing up. Well, my mom says that my dad used to sit down with me if I did anything wrong and just have like an hour long conversation about how the Lord doesn't want me to be like that and how I should be better and over something so little and trivial. Um, and these are things that I don't I put behind me. So I, I don't really remember a whole lot, but I do remember being the oldest child feeling like I had to be. Uh, set a good example. And if I didn't, I, you know, felt shame and felt like it really dimmed my spirit, I think a lot and, and made me even more just timid and, and scared of the real world because I wasn't allowed to have the feeling I was really sensitive and I wasn't really allowed to be like that because my parents didn't understand, or I would feel like I, you know, I'm, I wasn't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. So it seems like before you were, before even you lost your father, it it feels like there was this pattern of being taught that you had to self-abandon. You had to abandon yourself, like who you were, how you felt, you know, even just being a kid. Like it sounded like you didn't get to be a kid. Yeah. I mean, I did. I have lots of fun experiences of being a kid and, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like now if I, I will, for instance, I binge eat. And so it's like, I, I feel like I numb things with other things, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be just, I don't really have too many other bad habits, but it, you know, yeah, that's where it comes from. Okay. Close your eyes for me for a second. Okay. And I just want you to go with the first number that pops into your head. What age comes up for you? Seven. Okay. And what was going on when you were seven? To be honest, it's hard for me to remember back that far. Um, Okay. So then tell me what you see, you know, when you look at your seven-year-old self. So I see us having a predominantly church was like our life and being like good kids, having to be good for the adults and be a good example for my younger sister, actually younger sisters now, if I'm seven, I think just having a lot of responsibility for for a kid. Mm-hmm. And how is she feeling? Um, I think I didn't know how to really be myself because I was being told how to be from everybody else and what the right kind of person is. And I'm a great person. I'm, and I'm a helpful, nice, empathetic, and a really caring person. So I think that got to me even more that I, that I'm very, um, I'm like a sponge absorbing everything and not really having boundaries and, well, not having boundaries now or yeah. when I was younger, I don't, I don't think, I think because of how it was when I was younger, I don't have very good boundaries now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the question again, how is she feeling? It's so hard to get into that. I know. I know. That's why I keep asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess scared and kind of helpless. And uh, so you're thinking about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, okay, I can, you know, you're like doing deductive reasoning, right? Okay. This is what's going on. I can assume she's probably feeling like this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to, I want you to just like look at your seven-year-old self in your mind's eye Mm -hmm. and just bring her into your imagination. And then as if she was you and you were her, because you kind of (laughs) are, I want you to just feel what she's feeling. And okay. if you do that, tell me where you can feel it in the body. Okay. So actually, I feel like when I picked the number seven, it just popped in my head. But I'm when I was seven, I was actually pretty happy and I was actually pretty I, I was naive to everything. And then I think it was more when I was twelve. Okay. When I learned that my dad got sick, that's when that's how I feel everything. I feel like I'm stuck in that sadness and that grief and that like abandonment. And when I was twelve we learned out that he had cancer and he was gone within three months. And so I was really scared and hurt and didn't know how to handle that. And I put on a a brave face, like everything was okay. And just Mm -hmm. ignored the fact that he was dying. And like, I just tried to mask it all by pretending everything was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you feel that in your body? My heart and my stomach. Yeah. 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 You don't have to to giggle to deflect it. You can just yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And how intense does it feel on a scale of one to 10, 10 being most intense? Right now it's only about a five. Um, I feel like it helps a lot to talk about it. It's hard, but it feels really good to talk about it. Actually, I haven't talked about it in a really long time. Yeah. I thought about it. (laughs) Yeah. That, that tends to be what happens, right? Like we have, you know, for lack of a better term, we have like these skeletons or demons or whatever that we hide in the closet and we don't want to go there because we're scared of the pain and how it might, get, might make us feel. And that whole little loop that we can often be in is often much more difficult than just like feeling the pain itself and yeah. letting it ride through and work through. Yeah. So you can open your eyes if you haven't already. I think there's, there's two things going for you that are, they're very similar. There might be even same, you know, different sides of the same coin. I don't know. But obviously I think the first is, you know, dealing with the death of your father, you know, obviously that is going to be a really huge core wound and really anyone's life, but especially when um, a parent is taken so young, um, we don't really understand life and death. We don't really understand why it happened, you know, how it was fair or anything like that. And so, Um, there's obviously the grief of losing the parent, but then there's also the story that we might tell ourselves because we don't fully understand what happened. And especially if you had to just put on a brave face, um, that tells me you probably weren't able to have, you know, conversations or the grieving space that you needed to have when it happened. Right. And so it's not surprising then that that translated into a story around it's not safe to love it's not safe to love it's not safe to love because you know they could die or they could leave you or they could not love you back or whatever it is I mean the reasoning is less important but it's more of like the fear of loss you know keeps playing out the other piece and I mentioned this briefly is I still think there's this pattern of self-abandonment and I know you said at seven years old you felt pretty happy but you also said that you um ashamed a lot. You had to take a lot of responsibility for your younger siblings. Um, you had really high expectations. Maybe that were like, you know, if your dad was the one sitting down having a conversation that tells me like you were under the age 12. So again, I still think there's like this idea of you had to be this perfect kid, this perfect person. Um, and when we strive towards perfection like that, or when we're not allowed to feel how we feel or think what we think, then automatically, by definition, there's a self-abandonment piece going on. And when we abandon ourselves, first of all, do you understand what I mean by that, self-abandonment? 100%. I'm, I'm learning more about self-abandonment, but yeah, so I'm, I'm learning more. But yes, everything was resonating like 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I think the self-abandonment is what actually can create a lot of the self-destructive patterns like the binge eating, alcohol, drugs. Um, I mean, we can be addicted to all sorts of things because it's like you feel something. And when you were a kid, it was like, don't feel that, you know, be this or do this or think this or whatever. And so that's what you were taught. And then you get to be an adult and you are feeling these things or you're thinking these things and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know to do this. Just make it stop. Just make it stop. Just make it stop. And so yeah. then you, you know, do whatever the, the self-destructive behavior is. So obviously the two are going to be very closely related because they both obviously have to do with abandonment, but they're also two very different things at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. Go. 
what what's what questions do you have about that? How do I how do I fix it? I've done this throughout looking back through my life. I've done it through all my 20s. I've and it's still I've learned so much and I've grown so much and I'm so much more aware in my 30s, but I still will revert back to those habits and I still will have those fears when I start to get close to somebody and how do I there's only so much learning you can do and reading about it that you can do. And I feel like this calls really helps, but how do I, how do I fix it? How do I learn and or not learn, but how do I put those? Yeah. yeah. So the first thing is to first acknowledge that you've, you know, have the awareness, you know, awareness is the first step, but it's, it's often, I don't know if it's the hardest step, but it certainly is hard to see. It's hard to know what you don't know. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you've gotten over that initial hurdle. Now you know what you don't know. And that can feel like a really frustrating place to be because you're like, oh God, I do these things. And like, you know what I mean? And so it's a really classic time in the self-development journey to beat yourself up. Yeah. And so I think the very first thing, and this might sound like super simple, but you've got to stop beating yourself up and where you are. And I think that you have to acknowledge the childhood you you've had, you have to acknowledge the pain from losing your father at age twelve. Um, you have to acknowledge yourself for getting over that really hard hurdle to get over, which is knowing what you don't know. And then I think we can begin to move forward when it comes to inner child work because that's really because ultimately, like, if you are like, well, I've done all these things, but I'm still doing this, and then like you're still shit talking yourself or you're still just being mean to yourself about it, then like you're kind of still abandoning yourself. You're just perpetuating the same pattern. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's the emotion coming up? I'm just, I'm like overwhelmed because it's exactly what I'm going through right now. And I, I didn't really realize that I was, you know, the self abandonment was, was so strong and yeah, everything you're saying is spot on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, practicing non-self-abandonment. I don't know what the opposite word is, but yeah. you know, self-love. But... Self-love. Like even yeah. if you are, you know, let's say you're in the middle of binge eating or you're in the middle of just um another habit that mm-hmm. isn't healthy that, you know, is part of, you know, the pattern. Mm-hmm. Then the thing to do in that moment is, you know, it's okay that I'm here. I'm really hurting. And right now I'm doing what I know best to manage and to deal with my emotions and this pain. And right now that involves, you know, eating this food or drinking this bottle of wine or whatever it is. And I realize that that's not ultimately the pattern you want to continue with, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think just that alone can really shift the behavior because if you're being kind to yourself, then that opens you up to, you know, really being connected with yourself. And I guess that's the opposite (laughs) Mm -hmm. of self-abandonment, right? It's connecting Mm -hmm. with yourself. And I know that can be kind of like a Instagram-y, like, what does that mean? But it's really just, um, how do you talk to yourself in those dark moments and those low moments? How do you talk to yourself when you can see where you want to be, but you're not quite there yet? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think not beating myself up is because you beat yourself up and then you beat yourself up for beating yourself up. And then it's a, a cycle. You know, and it's not, not healthy. I know. 
I know. It's really not fun. So first things first is how you talk to yourself. Cause I, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm like, look, you can do every single inner child exercise that I have under the moon. <laughs> you can do it all, but none of it is going to matter if you still shit talk yourself. Yeah. Cause think about it. Like I go in and like talk to my inner 12 year old self and I'm all kind and considerate. And like, I show her love and blah, blah, blah. And then like, I go downstairs and eat a bag of chips. And then I'm like, Oh, you're such a fat ass. Like, why did you eat that? Like, come on, you don't have any self-control. It's like, I just completely canceled out what I just did. Yeah. Yep. So So just being aware and yeah, the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you, one thing that one of my, actually not one of my, my very, very first coach that I worked with, um, she would always tell me to, tell myself, man, Veronica, you're doing a really good job beating yourself up. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think what it does is it takes some of the edge off and you're like, all right, I'm beating myself up. Okay. And then that can shift the energy because once you, once you are able to do this, then, you know, I think that, you know, doing the inner child work can be really, really powerful for you. And, you know, that's going to involve really going back and connecting with her 12 year old, letting her feel the grief and the pain and whatever she had to hide when she was 12, right after her father died. You know, you can work on the story that you created about yourself, love, all of those things when he died. But again, all of that stuff is going to have minimal effect if you're abandoning yourself in the process. Yeah. I just had like a shift of thought when I, you know, if I, and the eating food is just the tip of the, it's just a symptom. It's, you know, and, and if I, if I, you know, have that piece of cheesecake, you know, if I have another one after, because I've already had the first and screw it, I'm just, I fucked up. I'm sorry. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Fucked up. And, and so I might as well just be bad for the rest of the night. You know, that's not, if I stop there and say, you know what, it's okay that's fine. I still love myself. I still, I still look great. I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. And if I'm okay with that, then it won't lead to the feelings of what I'm going to feel. If I have more, I'm going to be even more self-loathing. I'm going to be even more unhappy if I keep going. So why not just stop there and, and then be happy in the, in the fact that I stopped while I was ahead. And that's like an accomplishment and that'll make me happy and that will stop the cycle. Right. Well, one thing I would say is that the self-talk, like the, I don't know, I don't want to say positive self-talks. That sounds really um, Pollyanna-ish, but like the, the kind self-talk or the nurturing Mm -hmm. self-talk, you still want it to be inward focused. So, you know, if you sit there and say, oh, I still love myself or I still look great, you know, that's still conditioned on, you know, whatever looking great is to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times though, because those notions can be rooted in patriarchal norms, you know, societal norms that are outside of ourselves that we don't set. And so I urge you to be like, you know, I can have this piece of cheesecake and I am still just as lovable, kind, caring, you know, all of these like inner qualities that, you know, are, you know, inner, (laughs) not things that can, you know, change, you know, from day to day or year to year as we, as we live. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Was this helpful? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. 
Good. You feel like you have some steps to to take to move forward? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kind of switched from yeah, kind of ventured into things that I wasn't thinking I was going to talk about, but I mean, it it all kind of it all it all is part of what's going on and it all helps and yeah. Yeah. It all it all relates and you know, no matter where the conversation could have gone or what question you would have brought up at the end of the day, you're the common denominator in your own life. And so if you can shift this, then it'll shift, you know, all the other details. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and one thing that you said, and I just want to actually reiterate before we um, close out here, you know, you said the binge eating is just a symptom and you're absolutely right. It's just a symptom. And that's why, you know, when I'm working with clients around, you know, binge eating or really, again, whatever the, um, the symptom is like, it's so important to me that you don't worry about the symptom because that's exactly what it is. Like if you make binge eating the problem, you're literally using willpower to change the habit and willpower just, you know, you know, fuck it. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't work. work. Yeah. (laughs) Might work for a few days or like if you're real strong, like maybe if you're a Capricorn, maybe for a few weeks, (laughs) a month if you're lucky, (laughs) but like for the most part, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really do the thing. So, so I just wanted to reiterate that just for you and for everyone listening that it's just a symptom. And so if you can get to the reasoning behind it, which is the self-abandonment in your case and focus on that, then I think the, not that I think, but I know that the symptom will also shift as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey women, I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know that I've opened up the doors to the Love Incubator 2021, which is my one-on-one coaching program with a small group element. I only run this program once a year. So if you desire a deep transformation in your love life and want to work closely with me, this is your opportunity. The Love Incubator is a four-month journey and immersion for women who are ready to dig deep and discover the art of finding a lasting and equal partnership in their life. And the Love Incubator, you'll have one-on-one coaching calls with me each month, plus a group check-in call so we can assess your growth and you can connect with like-minded women who are on the same path as you. No longer will you feel alone or like you're the only crazy one. There's so, so much healing in that. So if you're ready to dig deep, grow massively, and have me hold your hand throughout the process, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator to learn more about the program and to schedule an incubator exploratory session so we can connect and see if it's right for you. So again, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. I also have two spots this year available on a sliding scale. These spots are for you if you're a single mom or have been financially impacted by the pandemic or are part of a historically marginalized population. I'm only accepting 10 women total, so these spots will fill quickly. So if you are interested in joining us this year, again, veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator is the place you want to head to. Now back to the show. Thank you so much, Becca, for coming onto the show. As always, I really appreciate your courage and your vulnerability. 
All right. So as you heard, Becca pushes people away because she's afraid they'll leave her or she dates people she's not that into so that she can leave them pretty unscathed. Now, it didn't take us long for us to root this back to losing her father at a pretty young age. And nor is this uncommon. If you had a parent die at a young age, you likely have some abandonment issues playing into your adult life, particularly your romantic life. And even if they didn't die, you can still be experiencing abandonment issues if you experience divorce as a young child, or if you had a parent literally abandon the family and go somewhere else. This can all play into your adult life and your love life specifically. So with Becca, I think there are two added elements that are playing into this abandonment issue even more. And the first is she wasn't really able to deal with her grief. So Becca also likely created a story you know, when she was pretty young about loss and that affected how she sees herself, men, women, love, relationships, what she can trust, what she can't trust. And that story has continued into her adulthood, making it even harder for her to trust others and love itself. But here's the second piece. When Becca talked about her strict upbringing, I got a feeling there was something else going on. And look, I'm not trying to belittle the traumatic experience of losing a parent at the age that she lost her father at. But what I do want to say is that not only was she not given the tools required to grieve her father, she did what she knew how to, which was abandon herself. Her religious upbringing created an environment where she was taught to abandon how she felt, abandon what she thought. And so when her father died... She obviously felt an enormous amount of sadness, grief. I can't imagine what that must have felt like. But what I do know was that she was not given the tools to process those emotions. And so she did what she knew how, which was self-abandon. So this shows up through her use of drugs, binge eating and alcohol, but it also can show up in the form of other eating disorders and sex and really anything, any way you can possibly use to self-abandon so you don't have to deal or try to not feel your emotions is something that you will do. So again, just to remind you for those listening, self-abandonment is when you don't acknowledge your feelings or honor where you are. But really, self-abandonment is abandoning your inner child. So if you have abandonment issues, you must, must, must work with your inner child because my guess is that you are also abandoning her, which is just perpetuating the fear of abandonment. And of course, you know how that's going to be playing out in your love life. So Becca binge eats because she doesn't know how to sit in the muck of her emotions. They're not healed. Her inner child doesn't know how to do that either. Again, she's experienced a lot of pain that was never able to be healed. And she really just needs love, support, and guidance from Becca herself. So once she can do that, she's going to feel more calm and more at peace with herself. And slowly the symptoms like binge eating will disappear. So I just want to pause here and just say, You know, whatever the habit is that you want to shift, whether who you're attracting or the binge eating or the watching too much Netflix or, you know, dating, swiping can certainly be an addiction. Sex can certainly be an addiction, whatever the thing is. I just want you to really, really see that that is just a symptom of something else. So don't try to focus on the symptom. I want you to focus on why are you carrying out that pattern over and over again. And that's where you're really going to be able to shift things from the inside out. And that's going to be more sustainable and it's going to be more long lasting. So here's what I want you to walk away with. If you know or suspect you have abandonment issues from losing a parent or another important person early in life, even if it was decades ago, I want you to do the grieving work. The grief and pain doesn't just go away because a bunch of time has passed. There's this saying, you know, I'm sure you've heard it. Time heals all wounds. That is just not true at all. Time will fester all wounds. So if you haven't done the healing work, you know, you need to do, I really, really implore you to do that. So you stop playing out whatever the pattern that that, that event, you know, created. 
The second thing is to be kind and gentle with yourself no matter where you are in your process. And even if you're in the middle of whatever self-sabotaging behavior you do, you've got to still be kind and accept where you are. Otherwise, the inner work will only get you so far and you'll find yourself more and more frustrated. So it's like, wow, I'm doing a really good job eating this chocolate cake. I'm doing a really good job at being on my fifth episode of I don't know, whatever show you are binging these days. If you can just accept that where you are, it's gonna be so much easier to shift the pattern versus like, like, oh, I'm such a fuck up. I'm doing this again, or I'm doing that again. I mean, can you just feel the energy? It's gonna be really, really hard to shift anything. It's just not a very safe space that you're creating for yourself. Next, I want you to refer back to the episode I did a while back around five stages of personal development. It's a must, must listen. Remember, awareness is only the first step and knowing what you don't know can sometimes be the most frustrating place to be in because you know what you don't know now. You know what you need to do, but it's not happening. So again, you've got to be kind to yourself for the reasons I stated above. Next, Like I said before, don't worry about the symptoms, i.e. bad habits. They will organically begin to disappear as you focus on the underlying emotions causing the behavior. And even if they don't fully make the symptoms disappear, which is totally possible, it's so much easier to do some habit shifting when you don't have those strong emotions driving the bad habit that you're trying to change in the first place. And then finally, don't do this work alone. Having someone else support you through this process is crucial. And if I can be of any help to you, then I would love to work with you inside the Love Incubator because you've got me and my full support for the next four months, plus the support of amazing, amazing women who are right alongside you doing this work. No one's going to like be the negative Nancy bringing you down. Like we're all using the same language around doing the inner child work, connecting dots and shifting patterns. So if you would like to work with me this year, again, I won't go into too much of the details. I did that more at the beginning of this episode. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. That is where I talk about the structure of the program, the dates, the pricing options, and also give you instructions on how to schedule your incubator exploratory call with me so that we can hop on the phone and see if it's the right fit for you or not. So again, that's veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. All right, my dear, that's all I've got for you this week. I will see you again next week on the Love Life Connection. Talk soon. Don't forget, if you want to work closely with me this year to transform your love life and frankly, your whole life, enrollment to the Love Incubator, which is my one-on-one coaching program with a small group element, is open for enrollment. If you've been wanting to work with me privately but can't swing it financially, this could be the perfect option for you. And frankly, the incubator is the best of both worlds. You get one-on-one coaching calls with me so we can go deep where you need to go deep. Plus, you get to be part of a small community of women, 10 or less, who are doing the same work alongside of you who will support you and you can learn from too. I only run the Love Incubator once a year, so I really don't want you to miss this if it's pulling on your heartstrings. If you're interested in learning more, your next step is to head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. There, I've answered your questions, including info about dates, pricing, and how the program works. That's also the place where you'll set up your incubator exploratory call with me, and that's where we'll connect and chat, and I'll help you figure out if the incubator is the next right step for you. Space is very limited, just to 10 women, so that I can give you my full attention. So if this is resonating with you, I would really love to have you. 
Again, space is limited. So if you're interested, don't delay and head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator and set up your incubator exploratory call today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.